Hello, and welcome to the Gaming Fix Podcast, episode 216 on April 2nd, 2022. I am your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. your partner's favorite tree. I'm joined today by Pat. This doesn't have to be like a single tree, it's be like a, a breed of tree, yeah. a genus. I I like a, an ash tree quite a bit. Okay. Um, and uh, they're like the just the big. There's a pretty generic tree, but sure, they're big. I like mm-hmm. big trees. I like yeah. Uh, I've never been to the redwood forest in Ooh, Northern California, but I really want to go. Yeah, that's list. that is a it's quite quite the sight. Those, those big you ash could, trees. You could call me a tree guy. I don't think that would be mm-hmm. inaccurate. Yeah, I, I like a tree quite a bit. Love a tree. Love a love a deciduous, an evergreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know like. What are what are the what are the other the ones with the leaves? What are those called? I don't even know. You mean the ones with the leaves? They all, the, the ones well, they don't the, all have the, leaves. The, the leaves non evergreen, like the ones like an oak tree is like what what is the there's deciduous and then yeah. there's non deciduous. Oh. <laughs> uh, I used to know. Yeah, I did too. To this. And uh, and I don't. That's. Uh, so deciduous means that the leaves fall off naturally fall off at wait deciduous means falling off at maturity and tending to fall off oh so maybe i'm wrong so it's so that's trees that drop their leaves in autumn and then uh the antonym of deciduous is evergreen Okay, I th- evergreen just does it doesn't seem like a scientific name. That just seems like the the classic like we just say this because it's easy. It's like the trees they're always I green. Think so I think, but I mean, it's not the scientific. Na- well, but what of hmm? But yeah, it's just also, like evergreen and deciduous. Like I, you know, I think also it's, there are there are oak trees that are evergreens. Well, now we're just getting into yeah. I didn't even know a live oak or an evergreen oak is of is any of a number of oaks in several different sections of the genus Quercus Quercus that share the characteristics of evergreen foliage. Wow, these oaks are not more closely related to each other than they are to other oaks. Well, damn. Uh, Yeah, I was watching a YouTube. I was just the algorithm was doing what it does on YouTube, you know, and it surfaced a channel about making wooden tables and it's like we're making okay. a D okay. table for a celebrity and okay it, it i they were making like a like six by 12 like table um with like resin and hardwood uh it, really beautiful uh fantastic course, yeah. work uh and just like man really really nice tables they made another table that had river rocks embedded in the resin and it was like the color made it look like you were looking into like a stream in the forest and i was like oh man that's just so good if i had like thirty thousand dollars to blow on a table there's a tiktok i see all the time that people repost uh that is a tree or is a table of this person 
combining like two big pieces of wood mm-hmm. that have a natural like break in the middle and then putting X-Wing miniatures in them and then resin to make it look like a Star oh. Wars. But oh, hell yeah. In the, yeah. Like, in the middle of the table. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, I'm much more into cool art tables, but there's like a whole cottage industry that is kind of cooled off, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Because maybe because people realized that they were paying ridiculous amounts of money, it'll be like, what if your table had an in- inlay so that you could take slats off of it, and then it uh-huh. has like a sunken in thing for board games? Yeah, no. So that's you can not like leave a board game set up and then eat your dinner mm-hmm. by putting the slats back on. And it's, I've always thought that it sucked because like, who wants to take like big hunks of wood on and off of their table whenever they play board games for one? Mm-hmm. And two, you shouldn't. I mean, modern board gaming is like how do we prevent? Like how do we make it so you can finish games in a sitting? You shouldn't mm-hmm. be like <laughs> setting games up and then leaving them set up for later. Well, it's just, just like not. That's like that's like oh, I'm done playing this video game. I'm done playing Elden Ring for the night. I'm just gonna leave my PS5 on. <laughs> And turn the TV off and go to bed and then come back to it tomorrow morning. Back to my PS1 days. Yeah, but like, I... <laughs> that's the thing. When Sure, when we were, like, all in high school and you only had, like, an hour of free time in the afternoon and you wanted to play a board game, the, the mm-hmm. dream of, like, oh, we could leave this set up and come back to it later is certainly appealing. Mm-hmm. But we're adults now. You just set aside an afternoon to play a board game if it's a long game. To, uh, hey, not everyone can get through a game of Twilight Imperium in a day. Uh, well, yeah, and I guess my argument would be, like, that's why, like, you should play half a game of Twilight Imperium, put it away, and then next time you'll be better at it and you'll play faster because you know how to play. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because who's coming back to games days later and, like, oh, yes, I remember exactly what I was doing. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. It's funny to me. Uh, Yeah, no, this was just a big, flat uh, table. Yeah. Like, now that four, now we're talking three, like, four inches thick. You know, just the dream someday massive. is I'll spend like five, six hundred dollars on a nice, big, big, huge flat table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want. <laughs> Not, and if that was the cost of these tables, cool. Yeah. The problem was they cost like two to three thousand uh-huh. dollars. Oh, and that's for a table that you yeah. should pay, you should pay like five to six hundred dollars for this table mm-hmm. without the sunken in part, but the sunken in part su- suddenly makes it like two to three K and then it'd be like, and we've got a ta- It's got a rail system on it. So you can slide on cup holders and a dice tray <laughs> and a, a tray table for you to put your, your game materials on. And it's just like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. It just, <laughs> you just need a big table. <laughs> That's all you yeah. need. Uh, I, what I want, my, my dream table is, has like a, it's just regular table. It's got a cutout in the middle that uh, like a little sunken spot, but not a big one. Just like uh, I don't know, about a foot around, uh, maybe eighteen inches at most. And then in that, it can be covered up, and you can put like a, a little grill in there, or like a little gr- uh, little burner to do like hot pot, or like a barbecue on the table, like a yakitori, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Korean barbecue, that kind of thing. Uh, and just like you know, swap that out as you need it. That's my dream table. And then you can cover it up, and you can play your board games on top. And then you take your board game away and do some hot pot. That's the dream. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's just I need a restaurant table. Yeah, I mean that serves more of a purpose than yeah, yeah. I don't know who this <laughs> a board game table fantasy person is with their like 
I feel like if you're spending that much on a, t- a table, you're probably you probably have some sort of game room. I guess not everyone. Every, people have money and not space, and some people have space and not money. I don't know. Just get a yeah. I don't know. Separate tables, just, one for gaming, one for dinner, or just play a game. Just play games in a sitting and be done playing sure. them, and then put them away. Uh, the other thing that bothered me about those tables is like, yeah, you technically you put slats on them and they don't have any space between them but what stuff if is still somebody gonna spills mm-hmm. like some soda on the table and then it's if some of it gets in between the cracks and then yeah. there's soda dripping down onto the cards on your mm-hmm. game and it's just like ugh, like, everybody it, take your dinner off the table yeah uh-huh this is yeah ill-advised yeah not a fan well i do hear you are a fan of Norco Game Pass game, mm-hmm. which yes. is some sort of point-and-click adventure kind of in Louisiana. Yeah, uh, point-and-click adventure is very accurate. It is a... Uh, it's it's really interesting because one of my favorite things about this game is when you watch the trailers, you're like, oh, so it's kind of like low cyberpunk in a sense. Like, okay. not... It's not set in a, in a glistening city... But it's kind of like that sort of idea because it's set a little bit in the future. And then as you play it, you realize like, yeah, there's robots here. And like when you go to the gas station to buy something, it's like a check, an automated. There's nobody who works there anymore. And you just scan the thing and then it deducts it from your account or whatever. But it's also just kind of what it's going to be like in probably 15 to 20 years. It's not. Sure. It's Which is a little depressing and kind of part of what the game's trying to talk about. Um, but it's cool because you don't have like slick, fancy cars or anything. It's looks, they're very much like modern day cars and there's not like, um, I don't know. It, it doesn't try. It, it's, it's very much almost like now it, everything looks like it does now, except there's these robots and, the sort of main theme is around a corporation. Well, at least when you start the game Mm -hmm. is around the idea of this expanding corporation that's displacing people and kind of doing a capitalism. And at the beginning (laughs) of the game, it definitely feels like this game is going to sort of slot in with your Kentucky Route Zeros and your Disco Elysiums in terms of just sort of delivering an anti-capitalist argument, which I'm interested in. But at first I was kind of like, this is cool, but I, I don't know how much I really need. Like, I don't know if this is, if this hits that message any differently or better than Disco Elysium or Kentucky Route Zero. So I was kind of like, mm, it's going to have to do something to keep me interested. And then it does. It gets very dynamic the story is about much more than just that it it talks it's about history and religion and um sort of uh displacement is a big theme of it but it's really makes you think about it in different ways like as in companies buying up land and making people move but but more what that represents for a community um And I think it's the story is really, really good. It takes really unexpected twists and turns, but not in the sense of like, oh, it's a twist. It's like, no, this is just a really cool progression of how we, how the story has gone. Um, you, you, you could, 
spoil it's a great story because you could spoil it for someone but it doesn't tell i mean the the, the what makes it good is the actual storytelling not mm-hmm. so much knowing what happens um which is very cool i got one of the endings there's there's uh there, i think there's at least 3 um, is the are the endings based on just choice like a specific choice various choices um, you make uh hard for me to say for sure i know one specific choice that i made near the end of the game that wasn't like a dialogue choice it was like actions that i did mm. in the world that mm-hmm. caused uh, that that gave me an opportunity to get the ending that i got um and the way that this game plays is point and click adventure with some interesting light action elements um okay. there's two little mini games that you do there's like a simon says where these like five symbols will show up on screen and they illuminate in different orders and you have to follow the order and then there's a sort of quick timey circle will show up and then a, a circle around it will get smaller into it and you have to click it when they converge and they don't deploy those mechanics very often but when they do, it's usually in um, some very light combat. It's mm-hmm. like not an RPG, but like you'll have your characters who have health bars and the other the enemies will have health bars. And you pick to do your attacks and then they attack your characters and stuff. I don't even know what losing does to you because I never lost <laughs> a fight. And there's only like 10 maybe total fights in the game, something like that. So it's not it's it's not a core me- like the combat is not something that happens all the time. Um, it's kind of cool when it shows up because it breaks up the gameplay a little bit, and it's a it's it's a way for them to put the characters in kind of dangerous situations without yeah. just hand waving and be, like sometimes in adventure games it'll be like oh the bad guy shows up with a gun and then there's an animation of your character pushing them and then. That's then they run away and that's it. Mm-hmm. This this is kind of a nice way for them to say like no they fought those guys to get past and get in here, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of kind of cool. Disco Elysium uh, did a good job with that where yeah. the violence is uh, not far or not often and it kind of happens late into the game, and so when it does show up you're like oh shit things are going down. It's kind of how it is here too. Um, it's pretty. It's it's definitely like oh, this is this is a serious situation. Um, and I think... And then other than that, it does a lot of cool... There's good uh, puzzle solving in it. Nothing too heavy, mm-hmm. but there's a fair amount of it, more so than there is in even something like a Kentucky Route Zero. Um, and then lots of dialogue and kind of moving around. You're jumping between a couple different characters to tell the story, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I, I think the writing is really, really solid across the board. I think they did a really good job of finding moments to be very Kentucky Route Zero-y. And that's, uh, hey, I shouldn't even say that because it's not really mm-hmm. fair to them. To be more esoteric and mm-hmm. to be more like um, poetic in how sure. they're describing things, but then the actual characters themselves talk very much like people. So it doesn't, it feels grounded in a way that I think is really cool. And after having finished it, it I realized that what I think I like most about it is so often these kinds of games, not just point and click adventure games, but 
games that are more narrative focused they don't feel like they're a they don't feel like they're like grounded they feel like it's like i'm following these characters story doesn't feel like there's a world going on around them um this game does a great job of like oh this looks feels like a lived in place with people in it that are not relevant to the story that you're seeing that feel like they have character that you could infer from little tidbits of dialogue you get from them and it makes the world feel really rich i think and like part of a bigger space and in the sense that like i would love to play i would love to read and play more stuff set in this setting um because i think it's really well realized so highly highly recommend for people i think whether you have game pass or not you should just buy it if you don't i might end up buying it just to have it to replay. I was thinking about, I probably will not go back and get the other endings right now because I think I'd like to play it in like a year or so again and just try to go for different endings then because um, I like the writing so much. And it's not very long either. It's like, I don't know, five to six hours maybe. Um, so I think it's a very good one to have to revisit. Uh, nice. Because it's just really, really well written and realized it's in that tier for me alongside i've kind of moved away from describing kentucky road zero did kind of help me get to this place kind of moved away from describing things as like oh this is the best rpg i've ever played because it's in a tier along with stuff like disc not that this game is an rpg but when along in a tier along with like disco elysium and kentucky Route zero where it's just really really good and I don't really want to try. I'm not. I don't have any interest in an argument about whether Kentucky Route Zero or Disco Elysium is better. There is mm. no. <laughs> I, t- I don't care about that discussion. Sure. They're both phenomenal games, and I think literally anyone with an interest in um, narrative video games should play them. This I would say the same thing about Norco for sure. Uh, and uh, so I think I think I would highly recommend it to people. You mentioned that there are multiple. Uh characters multiple point of views that you're getting are do all of the stories connect together of these different characters or okay uh i mean it's really only two different point of views and it's not even us but like the the setup for the story is that you are your character k has kind of been um out and around america and she comes back home because her mother has died of cancer um and so she's trying to like settle those affairs, find her brother who has always kind of had a more troubled life uh, than she has. And that's sort of the setup. And so you play it from her perspective and you play it from her mother's perspective like weeks prior. Um, and that's not really a spoiler or anything because that's mm-hmm. they introduce both of those point of views within the first like 20 minutes. Um, so that's that's really what it is, is you're playing as the mom that happened a few weeks ago and then the kind of main character that you start as uh like now quote unquote so interesting well i'll have to give that one a shot while i've still got some pc time uh just yeah you should i think i think you'd you'd really dig it it's it's just uh super well written um which is something that since i've been reading so much it's a game like this has to be pretty 
well written for it to really yeah, connect that, for me. That's uh, where I'm at as well and have been for a while. So hearing you talk so highly of the narrative uh, is intriguing. Yeah. I think you would really dig the uh, the the writing style. There's like stuff in it that I think is um, very it's super funny at times like laugh out loud like oh my god i can't believe that just happened funny uh okay which is surprising because it's also got i mean it also like made me it has like extremely effective emotional scenes i didn't quite like openly cry at any of them but i definitely was like you know teared up choked up um and then scenes where i'm laughing a lot and then also moments that are like whoa holy shit okay and not necessarily like upsetting emotionally um but are like damn that's that happened um the one thing i would say the game gives uh okay content warning at the start for the one thing that might be a trigger for people it does have some pretty intense flashing lights at times okay so i would warn anyone with uh and they warn for that at the beginning too. Like it says it has flashing lights. I was a little surprised. There's like, there's a TV you can turn on. And when you turn it on, it is like, whoa, holy shit. Oh, okay. This is, this is like, it's a good thing that <laughs> I don't have uh, epilepsy yeah. because, whew, um, not quite at the level of the cyberpunk brain dance stuff, but not that far off. Okay. Uh, Wow. So, uh, and it's not even anything like that. It's just the TV turning on and the way it flashes is wild. But it has writing, like, I think some of my favorite dialogue in the game is there's two characters that are, like, teenagers that are arguing about video about a video game and whether it's good or not. And one of the characters says, torment, frustration, antagonism, even indifference, these are valid things to design for. Pleasure and enjoyment aren't essential to the experience of art. And it's so funny because he's like, they're clowning on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because I was like, yeah, I actually 100% agree with this kid. But also he's a, he's a little asshole and <laughs> like the game should clown on him. That that video of the three like tweens, uh, is Fortnite overrated? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's the game there. T- it's like. It's like Super Pony 4 or something like that, too. It's definitely, like, not... It's very, very funny. Super um, Pony 4. It's not that exactly, but it's something oh, like okay. that. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very into the dialogue. There's, like... The, I won't spoil too much of it, but there's, like, a... There's, like, a, a, a Santa Claus panhandler who is an asshole. Um, and, uh... <laughs> at one point you you run into him <laughs> well i don't even want to spoil it because it's too funny but i fucking lost it laughing at this one sequence of dialogue that you have with him <laughs> it's hmm. just like <laughs> he okay there's there's a this game pretty liberally um at times will toss around harsh language and i just was like god damn <laughs> very very creative Okay. Yes, creative use of creative use of swears. Good. Um, that's it's yeah. hard. It's hard to find that sometimes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you really end up good. with like days gone, some bitch. No, no, no. But, this is much more. Okay. 
the 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 fuck word is their word of choice, and the mm. the way they deploy it sometimes is really good. Uh, uh, I don't know how this takes place in Louisiana, right? Or thereabouts. Yeah, yep. I don't know how familiar you are with the area. Does it feel like? Does it feel like Louisiana? I've only been there once, um, but I was there for like a couple days, and. I would say yes. It seems very interested in. Um, there's cultural aspects from the dialects and stuff mm-hmm. that is very much that region. Um, religion kind of ends up being a key theme in the game, and that is well descript depicted. I think um, with relation to the region, what I think is interesting is that it's focused less on New Orleans which New Orleans is in the game and there's scenes there but it's not so much about New Orleans as it is about Lake Pontchartrain and yeah. I think that is very cool um there is like a little you do some like running a boat around in Lake Pontchartrain and that's neat stuff um very reminiscent of the driving sequences in Kentucky Route Zero uh but it's uh it's I think they do a good job of of conveying the space and one of the interesting th- themes of it is that they very subtly deploy throughout the game is the way that the kind of legacy of slavery um affected people there and affected the growth of corporations there like the main corporation in the game is called Shield that you're kind of dealing with and they have this huge oil rig um not that's like on land there and that's the kind of complex that is constantly expanding and displacing people and it started as a slave plantation and then the people who owned it shifted to like they found oil on the property after uh like the civil war when they didn't have slaves anymore um and that was how they sort of developed their business empire. But they're they're they talk very much about again, it's subtle and not something that comes up. It, it comes up as much as you would expect it to, like in books and stuff, and and in background information, and not something people are talking about every day and all the time in dialogue. But I think that is a really interesting piece of the puzzle that does give it good flavor for the region that it's in and it's trying to say something meaningful about the region and those aspects of it are kind of how it I think differentiates itself from other games that are talking about social justice and capitalism and and those themes um so I would put it along if you like the narrative and stuff like Disco Elysium and Kentucky Route Zero and um uh the why I just am doing one of those those brain fart uh, <laughs> the game that I love it was one of my favorite games uh, uh Elden Ring uh, Umarangi Generation ah okay, um, yeah. if you like if you like uh, <laughs> if you like if you like those kinds of games I think that this will hit for you narratively but it is it's definitely its own flavor and and I mean the story goes some weird places that are very cool uh, as well so. It's definitely not what you expect from the start. All right. Well, I do reckon that that sounds like a good game. I've, I'm dead reckoning that that's a, a game I'm going to check out. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we get a, we don't have to hit this one for too long. I just need to, I wanted to talk about it for a minute. Uh, uh, there's a I finally got a Kickstarter game ah. um, that I backed like two years ago. Is this the board game you were playing? Board game territory, yeah. Okay. Um, this is this game, Dead Reckoning, is from AEG, which is a they make uh, probably not much that anybody listening would be that familiar with. Um, they're they mostly do like card games and stuff, but they 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 do board games too. Um, they did Smash Up. That's kind of the one that. I think was one of their big claims to fame. Um, but they do like tiny towns and um, thunder quest, thunderstone quest and stuff like that. Uh, and they usually make pretty good games. I, I don't own a ton of their stuff, but they have this system that they developed for a game called mystic veil, uh, which is, I've only played it. Like, I don't even remember if I've actually played a full game of it, but it's called, they call it card crafting, and it's a cool system where you have a sleeve, card sleeve, and then you have, like, a card that goes in the sleeve, and then you have transparent plastic cards that you slide in in front of the card, mm. and they'll have, like, it'll be, like, plastic and transparent, but then they'll have, like, one sort of... Uh, piece of of non-transparent stuff that then you can read so if you think of it in terms of like magic the gathering it would be like oh this creature has three attack and then it, and then you slide in this transparent piece in front and now it'll be like this creature has three attack and when you play it you get a resource or something yeah um so you so it kind of instead of building a deck with more and more cards you enhance the cards that you already have so it's a pretty cool, like, kind of gimmick. It's kind of gimmicky, but it's a pretty cool concept. Um, I that, don't even know that is that's Mystic Veil, not the game we're talking about today. Well, it's both. So okay. they okay. carried that system over into this game. Um, I don't remember exactly what possessed me to back it initially because I <laughs> don't, I didn't know much about Mystic Veil, but. Um, I'm glad that I did because this game is a pirate themed. 4x game where you are exploring an ocean of tiles um most of which are flipped upside down so you can't see what's on them so you explore them flip them over and you find islands and the islands have different statistics and kind of capabilities and then you're fighting over the islands with the other players placing like um little cubes by playing cards that give you influence over the island and eventually control of the island and in every single space, there'll be one of these transparent card pieces that will you can purchase to make your cards better. And your cards, you have a 12-card deck, and it represents the crew of your pirate ship. And you never get more cards. You just enhance them. They also, the card back part kind of rotates around over the course of the game to level up, too. And then you are fighting other players. And the way that the combat works is really fun because there's this, like, 3D battleship and it you and it sits on like a tray a dice tray kind of looking thing and you look at how many cannons you have on your ship and where you get and what you're getting from cards and your opponent does the same and then you drop all of those cubes based on the number of cannons you've got into this this tower this this like ship and it 
they all fall down and then fall onto this tray. And then based on where they land in the tray, you get different results. Oh. Um, which is a fun... It's not really that much different than rolling dice when it comes down to it, but it's a fun little mechanical thing. And then you can have abilities to modify where the the cubes lay. But it's fun because it gives you that flavor of like broadside happens, all the cubes get dropped, and then we see who won the who won the combat. Uh, okay. So that part's fun and it's kind of gimmicky, but it's a nice change of pace from just rolling dice. So I'm I've enjoyed that quite a bit. And, and the like positioning of the dice mattering too is interesting. It's it's not even there. There aren't even sides to them. It, they're not dice. They're just yeah. like little wooden cubes. So it's all about the position they land in, um, which is yeah, it's cool. And the way that the tray is is it's flat, but it's got like indentations on it so that they fall. They like get stuck in the zones as they roll by. Sure. So um, it's kind of it's it's cool because. There's still it's still random, but it's just a very different kind of RNG than dice rolling, which you can sort of math out. In this case, it's all about like you can't really math it out because it's physics, but there are zones that are bigger than each other and stuff. So it's it's like you can still kind of go like, well, odds are there most of these cubes are going to land here. It um, does like I guess if you're just dropping. Is there like a regulation height from which you drop? Yeah, you're supposed or... to. Okay. They tell you to drop them in a normal fashion from mm. the height of the masts. Okay, on okay. The battleship. Okay. Uh, so, so you can rules you're... lawyer. That wasn't a normal fashion. You were. <laughs> <laughs> it would be tough because you're typically dropping like between five to ten cubes because you drop both players' cubes at the same time. Sure. To keep it like fair so that yeah. there's not like cubes in the way that could affect the outcome. And so it's kind of hard to drop it in any other way than holding them all and then just letting go. You could the 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 other way you could do it is if you held it like vertically and then let them slide out. That would be, I think, a little more sketch because then you're like dropping one before another one, sort of thing. Uh, but it's not that bad. It doesn't it's not actually a. I think as as long as you are dropping them like that, you're fine. Uh, and it's a big. The, the three the ship model's pretty large so it catches them all there's not really a lot of you don't really have to worry about them falling out um it was a pain in the ass to put the thing together i'll say because oh. <laughs> it's made of cardboard and it sucks uh mm. but that is my biggest complaint about it so the game's fun i mean you, you're those two little gimmick mechanics are, are a nice change of pace and they don't the fact that they're gimmicky is actually a lot of board games that have gimmicks they kind of hurt the quality of the game in my opinion in this case i think they enhance it they make it more fun and it's still a really well balanced um mechanically deep game and i think it hits a really nice sweet spot of complexity with the rules but also playability and approachability so it's like compared to other 4x games like twilight imperium is a good example that game is takes like even if you know what you're doing it takes like six to eight hours to play (laughs) it's cool i i love it but um this game is something like dead reckoning gives you a lot of the same kinds of flavors because you only have the one ship but you're like going out and then you're producing on your islands you're you're stashing there's a fun little mechanic where the victory points are coins and so islands produce goods and coins you use goods which are these little plastic barrels uh, you use goods to pay for card upgrades, the little plastic transparent pieces that go in the cards. 
and to pay for pretty much everything else. The coins are basically used just for victory points. There's a few exceptions that are weird, but um, when you take them back to the harbor, the sort of main base, you put them in your treasure chest. And so you you have like a little little uh, treasure chest box, and you can look in it whenever you want, but your opponents don't know for sure how many coins you have in it. So there's like kind of a bit of mystery as to like who's winning that you're kind of trying to track. Uh, and that part is is fun. Uh, and then there's also victory points you get at the end of the game for certain achievements, like sinking somebody else's ship or um, winning a certain number of battles or exploring a certain number of ocean tiles. So um, there's a lot of different ways to approach the game, and you could play it as the person who's like constantly attacking people and stealing stuff from them, or the person who's like watching as other people explore they're taking as many islands as they can or the people who are exploring and finding like the best island on the board to exploit and using that um so there's a lot of ways you could play and develop your your crew uh which is cool and then the kind of last piece of it and i think if i recall this may be the thing that finally hooked me into backing it this game because it's a kickstarter game I'm not saying I think this is a good practice, but it's just the way it is. It launched with two expansions, and I got both of them with the Kickstarter. Um, silly. This is like day was one it, DLC for video yeah, games. Was, was it like a higher tier, or was it just back the game, get the expansions with it? It's a higher tier. Yeah. Okay. Like I backed it at, a, at a, the base tier was like 70 bucks, and I backed it at the $100 tier to get the first expansion, and then I added on the second expansion after the fact, which was like 40 more bucks. And I get why people would find it weird and bad that there's this expansion stuff like, right out the gate with these games. I agree, it's kind of stupid. If you look at the, like, Dark Souls board game Kickstarter, it's a fucking disaster of, like... (laughs) 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 There were, like, eight expansions at launch that you could add on. I backed backed one last year that was, like, I spent insane money on it at, like... I think I I I backed it at, like, 300 bucks or something. Um that is uh called primal and it's by the studio that did a card game that i never get to play with people but i love that's inspired by league of legends um they did one it's inspired as in like i'm sure they would have loved to have made a league of legends card Mm -hmm. game but they're a super small studio so they're not going to get the license so they just made a league of legends card game but didn't call it that Mm -hmm. um (laughs) this is this game is monster hunter but that okay so they made a monster hunter board game with and it's got really cool art, really cool conceptually. It it cribs some stuff directly from Monster Hunter with some of the character design, but it's still got its own thing going on. And it has huge monster minis, and I backed that at like three hundred bucks. And I have like I'll be getting everything that came in that Kickstarter. <laughs> and it's gonna be like ten boxes. Same thing with I did it with the Horizon board game too. Anyway, Dead that Reckonings. Is... This game I just pulled up the Kickstarter. It looks pretty fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's very cool. Uh I played the they have a demo of it on Tabletop Simulator hmm. and I played the demo and was like, "Oh man, this game whips." And what's funny is that then like 6 months later there was a Kickstarter for a Monster Hunter 
like official board game <laughs> from somebody. But I almost guarantee you that this primal game will be a better game because sure. this studio, their their like League of Legends is called Elo Darkness to tell you how much it is a <laughs> thing. Um uh, <laughs> it's very funny. Uh uh it's Elo Darkness, good. my old friend. Yes. It is a super good game mechanically, like really, really well made. So Primal, I'm sure, is going to be like that too. And I, it's Primal's also co-op, so it's uh, Elo Darkness is like even harder to find people to play with because it's a one-on-one competitive game that nah. is kind of like a trading card game in a box where you're playing, you're you're like building a deck ahead of time, and so it's hard to get somebody else to commit to learning how to play it with all the cards and stuff. Whereas Primal is something I could show up to a game night and be like, oh, let's all play this as co-op. I'll show you how to play. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the Kickstarter says it was supposed to be delivering around March. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing this yet? Is, uh, delays? Oh, I've... God, no. This game, I'll get this game in probably 2020, late 2023, maybe. Okay. Um, Like I said, this, 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 Dead Reckoning Kickstarter I backed, I want to say, I guess I should pull up the actual dates so I don't, uh, I want to say it was like early 2020, like pre-pandemic, um, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure, uh, that, that it was, that it was pre-pandemic because they originally said that it was going to be out August 2020. Um, okay and i have i got it at the end of march 2022 <laughs> um that's just how board game kickstarters are yeah 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 put out this date that's like it'll be done in a year and a half or a year and then it takes like three to four years to actually make the thing and and get it to everybody um but anyway the 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 dead reckoning expansions are so cool people might remember that i'm i was hot on and i'm still hot on but it's hard to get people to play it a game from last year called Oath, um, which is a board game that has sort of an evolving board or a evolving set of things that are in the game at any time. So Dead Reckoning uh, has a similar thing going on with its expansions, but but they're it's just a little bit different and it's super cool. So you've got this base game that is a really good 4X game that I think is has a lot of um, strategic depth to it. I think you could play it dozens and dozens and dozens of times and have a great time with it for a long time. And then it, the expansions are what they're calling sagas. And you basically, depending on the box, like I have two of them. I open both boxes. One of the boxes, it's like a, a set of cards. Um, it'll have like a, a new ocean tile and some new ship upgrade tiles that you just throw into the game. You can just add those. They're just new content that you can put in there. But then it'll also, it also has um, advancement, plastic advancement cards that are new. And then it has like a little folder in there that says like, don't open this folder and a notebook that says, don't read this notebook and a box, a tuck box of advancement cards that says like, don't look in this box yet. And so what you do is you add the out of tuck box advancement cards these plastic cards to the existing decks that you pull from to put them out into the world and they are all well not all of them but most of them are you're gonna encounter them and you look at them and it'll say like hey go read the notebook entry for like notebook entry 1.4 
and then you find that notebook entry. You do your best not to look at any of the other ones. You find that notebook entry, you read it, and it'll say like, oh, you were in the fog and you saw... This is a... I don't know what any of them actually are. I haven't read any of them. So okay. this is like a... Based on reading the rules, I'm I'm inferring a little bit. It'll be like, oh, you saw a like ghost ship on the horizon and it was Spooky. heading... It was heading in like this direction and nobody knows about it and you should hold on to this card and um, maybe the next time that you like are in an eye in port you can do something and 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 get a card and it'll say like you know pull card 1.4 from the tuck box of secret cards that you're not supposed to look at so you kind of like go through just looking at the upper corners pull that card out and then slot it into that deck of encounter cards and then maybe you or somebody else will encounter it at some point as more cards are put out on the board and what's so cool about it and then these lead to things like oh this time maybe this time you found a treasure map and maybe this eventually it might lead to like you found um a sort of magical spear that is an advancement card that you put on a guy and it's called a saga item and the way that they want you to play is from then on let's say the blue player finds this magical spear that you can use in combat to make your to be better or something and from then on the blue player will always start with that and it'll be okay. a kind of modest it'll be a pretty modest upgrade and the idea is that everybody's going to find this stuff over time so it doesn't sway the game too hard and you can always just remove them and not play with them if you don't want to sure but the idea is that it kind of evolves the different crews to start from different places. And the cards all have the sort of narrative breadcrumbs on them. So if a new player comes to the game and doesn't know, like, hey, what's up with the spear? It can tell them, like, how to read the story that got to that crew having that spear. And it's kind of a soft legacy game. Exactly. Yeah. So you're kind of adding to it over time. And they say there's a they, they encourage you to either play it as super soft legacy game where you're just naturally uncovering this stuff as you go or there's ways to play the game as a campaign game where you're playing with the same group of people and scoring the whole campaign i'm probably going to go with the former because i think it would be fun to do a campaign at some point but i kind of like the idea of like no the game just sort of grows and expands because it's very easy to reset it has no component destruction or anything like that in it so you can always just like set everything back up the way it was at the beginning pretty easily um if you want to kind of reset the board state for a group of players to do a campaign or something and um what is the thing that made me go from like okay this is really cool and neat i like the way they do this with the first saga expansion was then opening the second box which is like all stuff in envelopes and it's (laughs) envelopes of different shapes and sizes and it's like, okay, this envelope is, it's almost, it was almost like opening a crisp, a box of Christmas presents. Cause it was like, this envelope is an ocean tile. This envelope is, is like shaped very weird and not like any other components. And then I looked at the rules and the rules were like in a cagey way to not spoil too much. We're like in this expansion, there's the potential for you to get a second ship. I was like, what? Hmm. <laughs> so it, it goes some pretty wild sounding places. And I think part of why the base game is very much like straight lace. There's no supernatural stuff in it. I think that the, 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 the expansions go to some pretty wild territory of like sea monsters and, and, you know, pirates of the Caribbean kind of stuff. Um, 
So we'll see. But that that method of expanding the game is so cool to me because it's so much more interesting than just dumping a bunch of components in the box. Having this sort of explorable world that grows and expands over time is is you know it's why I like it's why I like Oath conceptually so much, and I really like it here as well. Uh, so and the solo mode is really good. But the, the biggest issue with Oath that I have, I love that game. I think it's. Uh, probably one of my favorite board games, but it's hard to play because the solo mode is not great. Okay. Um, it's definitely a game that you want to play with people. Dead Reckoning, I feel like the solo mode is super good, so I, I, I will be getting a lot more play in with it. Um, it's The solo mode is basically like there's a deck of cards, and you flip it, and then the other player does the thing on the card, but it's very... There's very little hidden information in the game, so... It's not uh, it, like your hand of cards is hidden, but basically it doesn't even have a hand of cards for the AI. It just you flip the deck and then it, it tells you like, oh, he goes here, picks up this advancement and then goes here and puts an influence cube on this island. And then there's sort of um, rules for ways that you can interfere with those things based on the way that they would have been interfered with if it was an actual player. Neat. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with what I would need from a game to be able to get into it. But this all sounds very cool and just sounds very cool. Uh, the, when it, the big, yeah, please, the big kicker with it. And I don't know if they did this on purpose or not. Most of these games, like oath is a game that I feel like I would like, we, we could totally play oath on tabletop simulator. It has an awesome TTS mod that's officially like was officially released by the the developers, and it allows you to save your campaign state or the not even campaign. But you can put the, the wooden slats on top of your table. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and metaphorically, but it lets you save where your game is at and everything. So we could easily play Oath on TTS, and I would love to do it. I think like you and Allison would really like that game, and it would be fun to play that's, if we can. I've got two weeks. Got two yeah, weeks we should... of open availability. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll set a time to play it because I think it's it, it's really enjoyable. One thing with Dead Reckoning, and I don't think it's on purpose, but you could not do a tabletop simulator mod of this game because the card sleeving thing would be a nightmare to try to figure out how to code in TTS. Sure. Um, and the physics, like you could do a the dice drop that are not dice but the cube dropping thing because mm-hmm. tabletop simulator has physics but it's, it's not it would the same not be quite as realistic like the physics would always be a little different and not as per, not not work the same as it does in real life yeah so it is too bad that that's the case but i mean it is i i, I do wonder how much of it is like if aeg has a chip on their shoulder and really doesn't like tabletop simulator because <laughs> like tts is like a it's free in most cases to get these games. Uh, and so I, they're not getting your money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it makes, you don't want developers to hold themselves back so they can make, like make their game available on tabletop simulator. Right. So, Oh like, no, not at all. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, Oh, it's a bummer. You can't do it on tabletop simulator, but if they had made a game and, that you could play on tabletop simulator easily, it wouldn't be the same game. So, no, I, I, it's certainly not being critical of them at all. I just wonder how much of it is um, deliberate. Uh... And I don't, I don't think it is deliberate, but it is a funny thought. Mm-hmm. The card crafting thing, this, this, the plastic card thing, that Mystic Veil vale came out like 
I don't think it came out before Tabletop Simulator, but it came out before Tabletop Simulator like blew the fuck up in the pandemic. Sure. So I, I doubt that the card crafting thing was anything other than, hey, this is a cool idea, a cool twist on deck building. Yeah, definitely. What if you built cards instead? So that's, the, but the, the, the drop the cubes in the tower thing is certainly like, it's cool and I like it as an alternative to dice rolling, but I, it is funny that it, it also is the nail in the coffin of that game ever working on <laughs> TTS. Um, the oh, only wow. way it would work, the, the one thing you could do is if somebody had the physical copy of the game, they could have the battleship mm. sitting there and mm-hmm. drop cubes in and then like take a, either people just trust them or they could take a picture of it or have yeah. a webcam on it yeah. or something. So it's it makes it even funnier to me because then it's like, well, you could play it on TTS if somebody has a physical copy <laughs> of it first, uh, which sure. makes it even better. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think it is deliberate. It's just a funny conspiracy theory. Yeah. Tinfoil hats, baby. Uh, my conspiracy, I don't, it's not even a conspiracy, but I... Dead Reckoning made me think of a particular genre, probably because of Red Dead Redemption, but I th- I thought this was going to be uh, a Western game. I don't know why, but Dead and Reckoning together make me think no, Western. No, it makes sense. So um, the, it's a it's referencing Dead Reckoning is a is a is a naval term for oh, okay. Um, it's like about position triangulation. It's it's funny whenever I Google this game, um, because the first thing you get mm-hmm. is. The actual nautical term. So yeah, it's, I, yeah. I navigation dead wrecking is a process of calculating current position of some moving object using a previously determined position or fix, and then incorporating estimates of speed, heading, direction, and course over elapsed time. So it's like a way to find somebody who's moving. Well, um, I, I thought this was some sort of Western game, and I was like, oh, we're gonna have two Western games this week as we talk about a weird West, uh, which I've been waiting on patiently for what feels like two years now. Uh, I think I worth the wait. Yeah, uh, Weird West is really cool. It's by Wolf Eye Studios, I believe, and is made, which is made up of ex Arcane developers, people who worked on Prey, Dishonored, other games that Arcane has worked on, and mm-hmm. it is their take on like it's it is an a Western immersive sim from an isometric perspective with limited interaction it's not you're not picking up every you can actually pick up most items in the environment so yeah uh if you made diablo an immersive sim but yeah that's a good way to put it well the interaction is more diablo uh with the world and then story-wise there is a lot going on there Maybe I don't. Yeah, know. It's, it's hard to explain games. I, I don't know. Yeah, this this game is like a really interesting. We'll talk about like what it is more, but it's a really interesting example of why I think reviews are like super useless. Uh, yeah. Because if you look at the like reviews for this game, if you just look at like it's it's got like a seventy eight on Metacritic, and it's such a like I get how it gets there because it's kind of it's got a little bit of jank. The AI is kind of not always there and you know there's a lot of repeated use of assets and stuff like that but it's also just so cool and you in so unique and different than yeah anything else that is that you could play right now that i think it's, it's such a disservice i see how a reviewer gets to giving that game a seven but it's such a disservice to it it's like 
looking at something like um, Deadly Premonition, um, where, you know, this game is super unique and interesting. And yes, it has some janky kind of not their parts, but so many people are going to look at this and go like, eh, it's not an eight, so I'm not I'm not going to play it. Uh, I don't play anything above an 80 or under an 80. Uh-huh. And it sucks. <laughs> Maybe your life would be more interesting if you didn't play anything above an 80 and only played things that scored seven or I'm below. Saying, and Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> so one of this what i think is really great about weird west is from the perspective and like the art style and the fact that it's reusing all these assets you wouldn't think that there was all that much going on like you just like look at back okay you like walk through these towns or walk down these canyons or whatever but because it's an immersive sim and they give you this jump button there is a lot that you can end up doing, like traversing oh, yeah. up into the uh, early on. You go into like this ravine, you're tracking, you're playing a, a bounty hunter tracking some, a gang who abducted your husband. And it's a rough start. That game. Yeah. They set you up for me to be with that character. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm killing all these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> they are all going to get put in the dirt. There's yeah. an interrogation sequence early. Oh, and huh. I was like, I'm breaking all of your oh, fingers, yeah. you piece of shit. <laughs> I, I did not go down that route, but uh, it, it, you can, and that's great. Uh, so you go into this ravine, and I was walking through this ravine, I'm like, that, there's like a little ledge here. It looks like I could jump up on it. I like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could. Like, oh, can I jump up here? Can I get up higher? And it, I was walking up where it looked like I was out of bounds, but I, I found a, a corpse up there with gear i could take and okay so this game is giving you a lot of freedom more than you would expect from just looking at it and then i could use that path that i took to get down behind a character and then like stealth kill them or whatever and it didn't point me in that direction at all so that was very neat A, a weird version of that was i was in a mine and there were like the support structures uh just like you know like two boards going up yeah on the side and then one across the top to hold up the ceiling and obviously there's no roof that you can see because you need to you're looking down from the top yeah, yeah. and i'm just like running down this hallway and i jumped because i don't know it's a game you just sometimes you just push the jump button right and i just vaulted like i grabbed on to the the support stru- like the beam across the top and i pulled myself up and i was standing basically in the ceiling and i'm like excuse me <laughs> I, yeah um i oh oh Hmm, I wonder if I could use... Could I, like, run off to the side and, like, get through the wall and out of bounds or something? I didn't try. Later, I thought about this. I'm like, I should have tried to get out of bounds there. I wonder if I could have busted the game in an interesting way. It definitely has its elements of jank that I think are um, mostly charming and funny yeah. and, and, and okay. I've had a few sequence, few times when I've loaded up the game and... AI is just stuck running into each other and like they can't they can't move and or they get like stuck on a piece of the environment and they can't mm-hmm. move. And some of those moments I've kind of been like, eh, this is a little frustrating because it's clearly they're supposed to have a pattern or like some AI for how they're walking around the space, but now they're both stuck there and they're looking in two different directions. So there's no way for me to sneak around them because they're just slammed uh, into yeah. each other facing <laughs> uh into each if other. If you reload um, it should it like, does. It fixes cause, it. Yeah, because like everything uh, is like seated when you load it, and so you can yeah 
reload an area and get a different set of things happening. Yep. Least, yeah. Same same characters or whatever, same amount of enemies, but they'll just like reset the routines or something. And I think um, if you play the... I've seen some people kind of in like user reviews nope out after the first hour or so because they think it's too linear or something. But once... Because early on, it feels a little bit like there's kind of one path through these areas and your choice is stealth or combat. But around the two-hour mark, or that was when I hit it, Okay, it really does go like, oh, I don't know. You said you were still trying to get the $300, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I got so a... I'm pretty far past that now. Mm-hmm. And it really does open up into cool. like okay, you need information from this guy. There's, like, I, as far as I could tell, there's at least four or five different ways you could approach getting it from him. And I went with a route that felt pretty organic and cool to discover how to get there. Um, but, like, you could also just kill his family. And then <laughs> I would think he would do... It would be very hard because he has lots of guards around. Uh-huh. But I think you, I spent a little bit of time seeing, like, how many of these guards could I take out without anybody noticing? And it seems like with the right skill set, you could, yeah, the answer could be most of them. There, uh, There is a very robust set of skills and things like abilities and skills, passive, yeah. active, all that kind of stuff. Just on uh, the one character, game. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there are multiple characters that you play as throughout the game. Uh, neither of us have gotten to a... A, a no. different character get I, and you don't get a choice it is you were going through a set narrative uh with these characters so you'll finish one story then it'll put you in the next one but yeah i don't know exactly how long those stories are or anything like that yeah and there's a lot of randomized stuff happening that's very sandboxy around yeah. the story i'm kind of mainlining the story in this first one because i want to see the full structure of the game and sure. I started it on normal, which is very easy in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna probably try to play the next character on a harder difficulty. Don't and, know if um, you. I don't know if you'll. I mean, I guess you could turn up. Can you turn up the difficulty? I don't know if it, like maybe you is can. a. I don't know. It might just be like a set. I think it's probably like a set story sequence. So you're you might be stuck on the same difficulty if you can't change it. But I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. Um, but uh, but but. There's a ton of stuff. I've found yes. like 12 locations that I haven't even been to on the world uh, map. Yeah, the as you're... It's very fallout, and you kind of wander around it. Yeah, so as you're going from place to place, be like, okay, I'm, I start at my homestead, and I need to go to the town. So then it pulls you out. It's like, here's your homestead. Here's the town. Where do you want to go? You want to go to the town. You click on the town, and you start walking. Time passes, and maybe you'll get some weird event happen. You'll get attacked by coyotes. You'll come across traitors. Yeah, coyotes. That's it. <laughs> Definitely not stuff way fucking worse. Than oh, coyotes. hey, you know, maybe get a rattlesnake. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there, there is. <laughs> I don't know how there many is of those some, encounters you've seen. There's, no, there is some wild. They get pretty yes, up. there is some weird, weird stuff in the weird west. And yeah, so I you'll one, come across that. You'll come I, I across other locations like mines or yeah. uh, ho- other homesteads, things like that. I had one that was like you hear a furious buzzing noise. Oh, good. And then that was the encounter pretext. It was not a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The, 
I'm sure. Oh, it's probably like a big rattlesnake or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, if only it was. A, <laughs> if only it was a snake. It was not a snake. Okay. It was like bee buzzing. Uh huh. Okay. Uh. Well. But yeah, the, there's all these locations, and you can go to them, and and you know you have these encounters sometimes, but then there's also static places that you can go to on yeah. the map that I I don't know. I feel like maybe their locations are randomized, but I'm not sure about that. Um, I I don't know. I don't um, know. But uh but either way, there's like I found one that was like an outlaw camp and mm-hmm. it had like a, a stone platform in the middle and I fought the outlaws and one of them had a disc and I could use the disc on the platform and then it opened up stairs down into the <laughs> underground. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was like it was like an ancient ruin Hell yeah. nice underground. Um and it didn't even have any crazy stuff uh-huh. in it. Really. It was just like, was just like more. This exists in the world. There. Yeah, yeah. And and um, the, the I the, the I worst... came across a just a random like cave system, and I went in there. I'm like, oh, I bet there's going to be something real weird in here. And not really. There were there was like a bookcase or like a cabinet, and on the back had like a pentagram drawn, and there were candles all around it. Mm-hmm. But there were just like some animals in there and nothing too bad. But I was like, okay, well, yeah. that's creepy. I really like the way that it kind of seeds that stuff. Like there are certainly I've fought some straight up like monster ass monsters for sure. Yeah. Um, but then it's also not overly in your face with that stuff all the time either. A lot of times you're just fighting outlaws. Yeah, um, I think that stuff gets more prominent later in the game. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the slow build to it is kind of cool, uh, and th- really my biggest complaint with it is just the way that sometimes the AI jank affects it, and and also with your companions too, because sometimes your com- like I I picked up one companion that was really cool. She was really powerful, and she I found her at a trapper camp, and she was like, "Oh, you're I I've heard about you. You're like." Um, I've been wondering if I could find you and travel with you, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, cool. And she had uh, good gear from the start, had a lot of health. And then I captured a bounty and turned it in, which gives you a reputation increase. And she was like, no money to be made and do good and see ya. And then she just bounced. No. Oh. <laughs> I wow. was like, well, I would have just shot this bounty. I don't care about being a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of am playing yeah. this character like, yeah. you know, horrible stuff blood, happened to yeah. her. She doesn't give a fuck. I just happen to turn the bounty in because you get more money that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, or you get like a bonus. And I wouldn't have done it if I had known that she was going to leave if I hit a certain reputation threshold. But nothing about her indicates that she would be that way. Yeah. Like there oh. was no narrative. She was like eager, like frontier woman who wanted to travel with a famous bounty hunter and that was the only dialogue i had seen and then the other one i picked up another very cool character in a town that you go to in the story later on and she is just a lady but she's cool um and i she was like yeah let's go crack some skulls or whatever and she gets mad at you if you stealth kill people because she's like Ah, you're a coward. It's and like the uncle in Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> that dialogue comes up over her head that you're a coward, but then she doesn't leave, so she doesn't left. So I don't know what that means. 
and it it was it was a whole weird situation because there was a there was a there was a situation where I needed to get into this building in a town, and there's a guard out front, and through clever like investigation, you can get uh, a you can get basically poison mm. that will poison the guard. So I did that. The problem is that if you loot his corpse in view of anybody, mm. then, then you're like everyone on the gets list. mad at you. Yeah, and it's like okay, well, clearly, mechanically, I'm supposed to give him this poison. Like, literally, it's for that purpose. It's yeah. it's, it's sold to you as being for that purpose. But now he's, like, laying in the street because he ragdolled when he, like, knocked, got yeah. knocked out and flew into the street. And he does this <laughs> over and over again every time I reload and try it again. And there's, like, people walking around in the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, what am I supposed to do? Can you, can you like, wait for nightfall or something? Well, I don't... I didn't try that, but I eventually got to a window everyone's backs were turned so i could like loot them really quick and get the key to the building mm-hmm. and then i went in the building and you're trespassing at that point oh no uh, and there's like a there's like a trespassing mechanic that you'll you'll see when when you get there um they don't tell you from the outside what buildings are going to be trespassing which i've seen yeah. some people complain about i think it's kind of fun because i think you should have to figure out for yourself if you're not Definitely. supposed to be somewhere um and i knew i would be trespassing i go in and I snuck up and took out this person that was in the room. And so I've taken out an NPC that is a bad guy. Like these are, this is like, that's the Stillwaters are like in this building, in this town. They're like the, the bad gang that, sure. that you're after. My one companion goes, well, you're a fucking coward. You took him out. <laughs> you snuck. My other companion. Who's a like Marshall is like, you killed an innocent, or you you attacked an innocent. <laughs> and I'm like, dude. And they're both just dialogue over their heads. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it matters at all. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, we're sneaking in this building we're not supposed to be in. And yes, I know that they're not aggroed to me and that they appear like friendlies mm-hmm. because I'm in town, but they're bad guys. Please so, use a little bit of your AI to yes. comprehend. <laughs> so I cleared the I cleared the place out. And I ended up in a fight at one point on the second floor of this building, shot him, whatever, it was fine. And then I leave, and then I go across the street into the saloon, and I don't know if it's because they heard, if they saw a body through a window or what, Mm -hmm. but there's two guys in there that were just sitting at the bar, and I walked in, and they didn't see me at first. And then as soon as I go around to the corner of the room where their vision cones see me, they're like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And they jump up and start shooting at me. And then I have to do the shootout in the saloon. And I was like, I don't even, you're not even yeah. Stillwater guys. You're like regular outlaws. Hell <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if they triggered on that because I have a certain reputation level and they were outlaws. Mm-hmm. So that made them hostile or what. But there's definitely some um, AI stuff that is like, this is weird the way these pieces sure. fit together. And it's not necessarily a bad thing it's Mm -hmm. just um it can feel a little janky sure but i'm pretty excited to keep going with it i played like four hours of it yesterday Mm -hmm. nice Uh, so Um, i'm I'm gonna try to get through at least that first story before i go back to elden ring my janky thing that happened was i was down in a down in a mine some sort of cave system and i was looting stuff and somehow 
like you'll find a lot of candles all over the place. You know, it's the old west. They need candles or oil lamps to well, and there's light rituals things and, all over the place. Yeah, too, yeah. yeah. So. But this this was just like a candelabra, or maybe it was a lantern. I don't know. It was next to a uh, next to a box of pistol ammo, mm-hmm. and somehow. I like I don't know if I accidentally hit like the kick button or something because you can just like kick shit and just send it oh, flying. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, but somehow I knocked over this candle, landed on top of the pistol bullets, and burned them. And they just started firing off just everywhere, all over this room. And I was in a small room, so That's I had to just, awesome. I had to run over and like jump behind a table and crouch down. <laughs> like, oh my god, what's happening? I think I might I have died. Know. I'm really but, happy to know that because now I know that I can throw a Molotov onto a table full of ammo and uh-huh. it'll all go off. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, it was it was absolute shenanigans. I, I, it was a complete accident. I was like, oh, no. Oh, Jesus. What's happening? Oh, God, please. I had one like that where there was a – I reloaded it like eight times. And they encourage you to save scum in this game, yeah. which is yeah. cool. Um, you can quick save and stuff. Uh, I reloaded it like eight times where I wanted to throw dynamite at this – there's three guys standing around mm-hmm. and it was the first time I ever had the opportunity to throw dynamite. And I was like, how do I throw this? And like I threw it and it wouldn't go off. And I threw it and it wouldn't go off. Uh, threw it and it wouldn't go off. You throw it like, into Are water. You kidding me. Yeah. Cause they're standing in water and <laughs> it took me like four times to realize, Oh, you can't dynamite doesn't work when you throw it into water. But the fuse goes out. If you shoot it, it does work. Yeah, exactly. And I haven't done that yet, but I realized that after that, I was like, I bet if I did the quick time dodge thing, you don't even have doesn't it even have ground. to be in the air. You can shoot it in the water. Oh, that's cool. But you probably could do that too. That'd be way cooler. <laughs> one of the coolest things in this game is that and I I think the combat in this game is fucking sick. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest things in this game is you can, um, if you do the dodge while you're aiming, you go into like slow down time, yeah. and you can you do just max pain, bang, 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 bang. Uh, yeah. I have one of the the repeater pistols, the like, oh repeater, hell yeah, but like the the ones with the twelve rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can just like dump uh twelve nice. shots while in in quick time. It's very cool. Uh, plus I have the ability now where you can, um, it'll shoot everybody around oh okay yeah um which is i don't know it it could be better because it doesn't do that much damage per shot so yeah but um but it's very it's very cool the the way that stuff works is 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 very that seems like a i hit a bunch of people with dynamite they aren't dead though somehow after being hit with a stick of dynamite that okay i could clean up or something Uh, i I also took the like perk to to do more damage to people who are unaware and i have the like silent shot perk oh. on the rifle and i just you can just it's mm-hmm. so satisfying to just drill someone from across the screen uh, yeah <laughs> it weird west is is very good i i look forward to getting to like the weirder parts of it because i've yeah. you know i found some like cult shit and seen some monsters but i haven't gone to like the really weird stuff yet and i'm sure that, like just as the game goes it's only going to get more and more bizarre I think I know what one of the one of the future characters is. I know one of them because I happened to see them on a developer stream, literally like uh-huh. just now. But I okay. think I saw yeah. them yesterday too. Mm-hmm. There is. It's weird. Uh huh. Yeah, we might not <laughs> even be talking about the same thing. Like I just no, you I don't know, think from we seeing are. the marketing. I mean, 
you can tell from looking at the character screen. Yeah. There's silhouettes of them, and only one silhouette looks like a person person. Yeah. Like a human person, and it's yep. the one you start as. The rest of them are all pretty fucked up looking. Uh, yep. So. Definitely. Yeah, I, I dig it, and um, I'm hopeful that I keep being into it. I, I think, like, overall, the quality of it at times is like, okay, this is definitely an indie game. This is studio's first game. I think, you know... It's a perfect Game Pass game. Yeah. I think for most people, I wouldn't have felt bad if I spent $40 on this game. Ooh, most 40. people, Ooh. yeah, it's 40 bucks. Most people who buy this game for 40 bucks are, I can see why some of the user reviews kind of tanked a little bit after it came out because it's like people, some, a lot of people understandably expect a certain level of polish and quality from a game asking $40. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if this game, like, I have a couple friends that I think would really like this game, but I also think they would feel bad paying 40 bucks for it. I think they would like it for 20 to $30 maybe. Um, sure. And so I recommended to them, like they're not big on game pass. So I recommended like, Hey, wishlist this, grab it on sale. Um, and I don't like thinking that way because I, I mean, I think it's a really cool game. And I think if you're interested in, in unique and, and in interest, interesting kind of riskier, games that you'll feel fine about having spent 40 bucks on it i know i would have but and i'll probably end up buying it at some point because it won't be on game pass forever and it yeah. seems like the kind of game i want to revisit in the future but uh but you know i get it if if you're kind of like eh, that's a lot of money to me um it seems like it has a lot of content like a lot of hours you could get yeah. out of it for that price but uh it it, it certainly is not like quadruple a levels of polish and uh and 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 tight mechanics necessarily. Um, but what I was going to say is it's a perfect game pass game. And actually it has cloud save transfer back it and does. forth okay, Xbox was... and PC, which is sick because I was trying to that figure doesn't that matter. Out. It doesn't matter for most people, but it matters to me because I prefer playing this game on PC. I like the mouse and keyboard controls, but it plays good on a controller too. I played some of it on Xbox as well okay. because of the way I do my racing stuff. There's times when I want to just leave my racing rig set up for like, four or five days at a time mm-hmm. and not break it down, which Definitely. is going to be after today, basically. It's going to be for the rest of the week because we have a big 24-hour race coming up. So I'm going to be practicing a bunch. So having it on Xbox and being able to go, oh, I want to play some Weird West, but I don't want to spend 10 minutes tearing down my rig and then later 10 minutes tear- putting it back up again to play Weird West for an hour, I can just do it on Xbox and not have to worry about it, play it on the couch. Uh, so that's like the dream that's the whole reason i wanted to buy a series <laughs> x was for that game pass ability to swap back and forth between sure. games that are on both yeah and it's cool to see it work I, I was trying to figure out because on okay it does say cloud saves but like the game pass pc no way okay hold on never mind that was norco uh yeah because the game pass pc version only says playable on pc and then it doesn't list cloud save uh which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. I assumed that it wouldn't work, but then it totally does. Um, Great. Good I, I to know. played like I played an hour of it on Xbox, and then I was like, you know, I want to try this on PC because I think I might like the controls more, and my my rig's not set up anyway. Yeah. And um, also because um, it doesn't have voice dialogue for all the dialogue, and it's fine on console. It's not like bad, but it just I was feeling like, eh, with the way you're like examining the environments and stuff, I feel like yeah. I would like to be sitting like right at my monitor looking at it. Yep. Um, and 
I wasn't expecting it to work. I thought I'd have to replay that first hour, but then it just like pulled my saves over once I logged in Great. and everything. It was Fantastic. Awesome. That's good to know. Uh, so yeah, that's Weird West. People should definitely check it out. Uh, I, yeah, if you have Game Pass, I highly recommend giving it a shot because yeah. it's just super interesting to see what it what it is. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of games that Pat recommends people should check out, I finally, finally gave BattleTech a chance after wanting to for so long. I gave it a chance back, like. Pat, you had an extra copy from a humble bundle, humble bundle or something, and you gave it to me. Oh, <laughs> like well, good. I'm glad. Back in like 2018, it was probably in 2018, maybe 2019 after it came out. But so I finally, uh, like back then, I tried it and I like did the tutorial and I got to the ship, mm-hmm. and then I went, oh no, there's. It's got so many menus, and it wants me to talk to so many people and go through so many. Yeah. Uh, oh my god! At the time, I just wasn't. No, I get it. it. I have, th- I still have that same reaction frequently when I think I want to go play it. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, but I finally went back. I was just like kind of looking for stuff to play, and I haven't been feeling anything like narrative really because of reading so many books and all that. And I finally went. You know what? BattleTech. I don't know why, but there was there's something about robots called to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know what it was, but and I was playing a lot of Crusader Kings. I still am trying to, to wrap my head around that game. Maybe as the paradox bug got me. Finally booted up BattleTech, and it's a beefy game, isn't it? Isn't it's like a hundred and some gigs? Maybe maybe that's something else something I was bad. playing. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Oh, it was only thirty five. I was. Total War was 113 gigs. Yeah, That's Total what it War was. Is Jeez. Big. Anyway, BattleTech. Uh, finally played through that tutorial mission. I remembered mostly how it went. You're playing some sort of mech warrior BattleTech pilot who is indebted and serving. Well, that's how every BattleTech yeah, and mech serving story some royal goes. royalty on some yeah. planet. Uh, BattleTech slash Shit mech goes warrior bad, has. Yeah incredible lore it is so cool there there are so many things where you're like reading the dialogue it's like oh this word is blue mouse over it to get like a encyclopedia entry and then that window has blue text in it too and it's like 40k levels of like depth to the lore and storytelling that is in that and the problem is that the lore itself is amazing but like most of the novels that are written in that universe are trash uh, uh-huh. because that's sure. just how it's like D D or 40k uh-huh. any of that stuff um but the good stuff is good the good mm-hmm. stuff is very good okay yeah so very game of thrones in space okay yeah i mean that's kind of how battletech starts up uh is your you know is a betrayal from like the cousin of the royalty or whatever and uh basically you think you're the only survivor of this thing i think maybe you talked about this uh this is like minor spoilers for early battle tech but this happens within like the first five missions or something uh basically you think everyone's dead you get rescued from this uh coup and then you spend three years doing missions and with like a, a like a mercenary group eventually you find out that the the ro- the queen the princess uh, i don't 
the person you were serving is mm-hmm. actually alive. And I mm-hmm. thought this was like a late game reveal uh, from like when you talked about it. And I was like, oh, well, I already know she like she's not dead. No, it's it, a very apparently. It's, yeah, it's a very that, early that the opening narrative stuff is so good in that game. <laughs> It's just a lot of like, what the fuck? Oh my god, what? What? So yeah, that that's as far as I've gotten is finding out that she's still alive. Uh, and then so, like maybe I did one other mission after that, but yeah, and and you kind of go for a long. I'm I haven't finished that story. Interesting for what it's worth. Uh-huh. But but you now you're kind of going to be on a path of like we're going to do video game for a while now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's more about the management layer and the, and the doing and, missions to get money yeah, and stuff. going out doing um, the, the yeah. tactical warfare, which is yep. really cool to oh, be like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot a bazillion missiles at this oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this little tank over there. I'm going to shoot it and just blow it the fuck up and make a One crater of, there. Uh, I need the meme. It's like my favorite thing about giant robot, anything mecha, whether it's, uh-huh. you know, um anime uh mecha kind of stuff or more western battle techie mech warrior stuff and i need the meme of the the like two arms clasps clasping but instead of the the black guy and the white guy it's like a mecha and a like a gundam and a Uh a battle tech robot uh of like missile pods just shooting like a thousand missiles (laughs) with smoke trails behind them spinning around yeah (laughs) that is like my favorite fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, it, and and you do a lot of that in <laughs> in BattleTech. Yeah. And it. So I think the. I don't know what what it was about it that like kept me from playing it. I think it was just the density of everything. But once you get f- past that initial, here's the ship. Here's how everything works. I go through all these. Uh, you don't even have to go through all the dialogue options with the people to learn about their backstory. But it's like, yeah, if I'm going to be here, I should know what's up with these people. There's only three of them. How much could they have to say? You know, it's a decent amount, but it's not overbearing. Once you get past that, it's actually very manageable and mm-hmm. yeah. engaging to think about. Okay, what what am I going to put on my battle techs as I head out onto these missions and have to think about, okay, well, this is like, this is a desert area, so it's going to be hotter. So I don't want to have weapons that are going to run hot or anything like that. It's pretty neat. And yeah. And one of the cool things about this game is over something like mech warrior is, um, this is what, mech warrior is rooted in like mm. the original BattleTech was a tabletop game yeah and it's still a tabletop game that you can play today and it it has all of this stuff incorporated in it the the it's very similar what you're doing in the video game and the tabletop game um which is part of the reason i really like it because it's it's very much like in the tabletop game you tend to play it in campaigns with people so you have yeah. that sort of everybody you're playing like tournaments kind of where you're setting showing up for a, for an afternoon and each game takes like an hour to an hour and a half and you're playing maybe three games over the mm-hmm. course of the afternoon but you're also like getting points and there's upgrade systems and stuff so that you can kind of have your 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 um your lance evolve over time uh and it's so cool the way they capture that in this game and one thing that's always been core in the tabletop game that they capture really well in the in BattleTech is relationships between your pilots is super important 
and like how they feel about each other gives them bonuses or yeah um or 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 penalties based on like those relationships so i think they just they managed to capture all this stuff super super well in the video game i yeah uh i <laughs> some of that stuff the way that plays out is interesting i was playing or like on the ship you'll run into like events and one was like i was talking to one like the person the navigator i was talking to the navigator and she's like oh i just love my coffee uh it's the only thing that gets me through out here and then two of my pilots were arguing about who gets the last of the coffee and it's like well i could split it between them i could take it or i could give it to the personnel director or the, the, the navigator and so i gave it to the navigator and then my pilots lost like motivation or resolve or what you know whatever the stat yeah. was uh which was an interesting tick. I, I don't think I got anything beneficial from that. It wasn't like, oh, it takes less time to go between places for a month or something. But yeah, you know that happens. Uh, yeah, I, it. I think it helps too that this game was made by Harebrained Schemes, mm. who also made the Shadow Run games that are really okay. good. Um, and <laughs> this is funny, and they're a Seattle area developer, so. Uh, I've I've been a fan of theirs for a long time because Jordan Weissman is the head of Harebrained Schemes. He's the guy who created MechWarrior BattleTech, like okay. the tabletop game in the eighties. Okay. Also, the same with Shadowrun. He created Shadowrun back then okay. too. So he was a tabletop designer. His games got ran through video game meat grinder throughout the nineties and two thousands to mixed results. MechWarrior is awesome. Those games are great for the most part. And um, the Mech Assault is really cool, the Xbox games. So nothing bad there. Shadowrun had a pretty rough go of it in the video game world. Well, I mean, there's the really good um, Super Nintendo game. That game is fucking sick. But uh, the the Xbox game, not so good. But then he kind of, he started Harebrained Schemes and kind of wrestled the licensing back to be able to make a, sh- a really good shadow run game and a really good battle tech game that's real both are really true to the tabletop roots uh nice them. so yeah yeah uh this i probably won't play it like religiously or anything uh no, but it'll, I mean, it'll probably be a game i i at least poke in on here and there for a while like i said i haven't ever finished the mm-hmm. the campaign before um the the story is very cool, and eventually I would like to see see it through. But yeah. um, with tactics games, I feel like they're a kind of game. Like Weird West and Immersive Sims are games, and and Elden Ring is like this too. Where I'm like, no, I got to see the whole thing. I want to like sure. pe- take this thing apart. I want to take it down to studs and understand everything about this game. Tactics games for me are like, I feel like I want some tactics tonight. So I'm going to play this tactics game for an hour or two, and then I might not play another tactics game for like six months. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how why I haven't gotten that far. I probably I think I've got like 20 hours in BattleTech total. But mm-hmm. uh, the my one complaint about it is just it's like my inner weeb uh, Gundam fan is I wish they looked more like Japanese mecha instead of uh, like Western like you know uh mecca which you know that's just a personal taste thing yeah it's just uh, taste i like them both so i'm yeah I'm, i, I don't have like tech t- to look yeah. more like gundam but i wouldn't want gundam to look more like Battle yeah tech. absolutely uh you know they they each have their place 
I just would love a sick ass like Gundam version of this. Sure. Uh there will there th- for me like the um I guess Wing Zero is 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 no, I think like what's it called? The original just Gundam. Isn't um, it? Is it not just called Gundam? Yeah. Um that's that's probably mobile, the one. mobile suit Gundam, yeah. The mobile, mobile suit. suit Gundam is probably the one. There's a there's the um the uh the name of of the RX seventy eight. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. That's okay. what I'm for. RX seventy eight is definitely like the is is an iconic giant robot in my head, and right alongside of it is the catapult, which sure. is one of the the kind of iconic. Couldn't look more different, um, but iconic uh, uh, mechs uh, from Battle Mech. Um, and, uh, I love them both and think of them. It's like putting the Star Trek, enter- like the Enterprise from Star Trek next, next to the Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're both, they're incredible. They're, I don't wish yeah. one was more like the other. Uh, it, though, speaking of Gundam, uh, we, did you have any other Battletech thoughts? No, no. I, Please. I am super fucking excited. I got into the test for that Gundam Overwatch clone. Oh, wait, I what? was looking oh. at some game... I was looking at some gameplay. This game got announced. Well, it got announced a while ago, but it recently cropped up in that um, Japan-focused state of play. Oh, uh, I think I tuned out of that. <laughs> yeah, because so I was did I. oh oh, so oh Gundam, Gundam then, first-person shooter. Mm. <laughs> so so I watched some. Apparently, it's been in testing since last year mm-hmm. and can, there was, can you there can you like, say this because it's testing games is oh i didn't sign an nda okay, uh, okay no it's on steam you just go sign up for the oh, okay uh it doesn't start until the 11th all right um i think the 11th yeah no it starts on the 6th and runs to the 11th so next week i'll have some thoughts on it well not is next this... week so i won't be here but the week after next which uh, gundam evolution Yes, I watched some gameplay of it on YouTube from a beta test from last year. It is fucking Overwatch. They made oh. a Gundam Overwatch. <laughs> it is interesting. Like, okay, it is Overwatch ass. Like I don't, it, it, I couldn't tell what the who the player was playing as, but he had his shield up, and then he had like a big uh, like axe thing, and it was like watching someone play Reinhardt, but he's in a Gundam. Oh uh, yeah, um, okay, yeah. I'm watching this uh, the Steam trailer, and yeah, that is. Uh, I'm super pumped for it because I would plea. I mean, Overwatch ripped off Team Fortress. If I would fucking love it if this free to play Gundam game turns out to be a sick ass Overwatch alike, where yeah. you play as Gundams, that would be yeah. so mm-hmm. cool. I never I've... thought of that as being the right genre for a Gundam video game, but when you think about it, like. Mm-hmm. It kind of oh. works. Yeah, so you got war uh, battlefields and all that kind of stuff. That yeah, and it makes it, sense. The movement looks like they're kind of clunky, but then they have the like jet boosting that Gundams do. So and it looks like can, some like, can like transform uh, between like movement focused and like battle focused. Yeah, and and um, there's like so many different uh, kinds of Gundams out there that. You could make, like, making that yeah. them it into like this is just a toy box of smashing all of these Gundams together mm-hmm. sounds super cool. I've always been interested in the um the like uh battle network Gundam battle network stuff. Uh-huh. Um, 
it's those games are really awesome but man they're fucking hard to get into it's like fighting game kind of stuff but oh, okay yeah uh virtual on is the the like the the what they're like gameplay wise um they're really really hard to get into and they have like weird gear score stuff going on they're not they're not free to play and they don't have any like real microtransaction they have dlc gundams but they have like weird progression stuff where you have to level the gundams to be competitive in multiplayer mm. and if you don't then and the game's mostly multiplayer i don't know someday i'll revisit them hopefully if they haven't shut the servers down because uh, <laughs> i have it digitally the one that they put out on ps4 and i assume it runs on ps5 uh but uh but this looks like a really cool alternative to that cuz it's just like fucking it's fucking overwatch like watching the if you watch like the uninterrupted beta footage that like people who were playing it put out not from Bandai Namco it is shocking how much it looks like overwatch i mean in even a way in this that i'm trailer it, it it looks like overwatch so yeah. yeah that's i'm psyched for it hopefully it plays good the rumbling that I seem to get from the beta tests that they've done is that it is not like knock your socks off, blow you mm. away good, but that it's totally solid as one of those. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'll come back with thoughts the next time I'm on to talk about yeah. <laughs> Gundam Evolution. Uh, I have signed up for the play test. We'll see. It seems, it seems like we're getting away with something to get this game in the U.S. <laughs> Because all of these Gundam games are so fucking cool looking, and then they never put them out in the U.S., all the good ones. Mm-hmm. And instead, we just get, like, Gundam SD, whatever <laughs> the fuck. Yeah, I, I never, you never know how they make the choice for what to put out. Maybe it's just whatever license ends up popular in the States, and for whatever reason, but I don't know. I gotta be honest with you. I feel like they just don't really know what they're doing. That like, that, that could that could be one hundred percent the it case. Seems <laughs> to me like they just throw Bandai Namco just throws a dart at a dartboard, and that's what it seems like at times with especially <laughs> like, with Japanese companies. And it's... and to some degree, and I don't even mean about all. I mean specifically with Gundam. Sure. To some degree, I don't blame them because localization is expensive and Gundam is a I don't I think as nerds we don't understand sometimes Gundam is extraordinarily niche in the US yeah Uh, yes yes it is it is a very and what's it's very easy to import fans will translate the anime and so yeah and and anime translation is uh, certainly an art and hard but it's not the same as localizing a video game um and like the models, it's very easy to import the models. So you can kind of interact with pretty much the whole thing easily. But with video <laughs> games, you really do need them localized for it to work. And so I get that it's that they're skittish about putting out most of them here, uh, especially because I feel like they were Gundam games were kind of done dirty by the way games used to get reviewed during the ps2 and xbox and like ps3 Mm. and xbox 360 era where like they would just get shit on because they're doing very specific things and yeah they're not going to be for everyone but that doesn't mean that they suck 
as games. Sure. It just I, I means f- they're not for everyone. A lot of Gundam games, at least when I was younger, were kind of like Dynasty Warriors-esque. Well, there's uh, the think... Dynasty Warriors Gundam games. Sure, but were those on Which PS2? Actually good. Like, because... Nah, I don't they're... remember. No, I think those started on PS3. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was like, but that kind of, like, I don't know, you go through a big battlefield, yeah. you fight some stuff uh, on PS2, and that's where... I played, like, all my Gundam games before I was like, I, I don't think I like these games that much, even though I they like They weren't, like, Gundam, great but, or by yeah. any means. Yeah. Um, but I feel like now those kinds of games, I would totally, and they were not super long usually, but now, like, you put out a game like that for, like, 25 bucks or something, I would totally pick it up and play it over a weekend, and maybe it's not great, but mm. who cares? Like, I'm not always looking for, you know, the next... Elden Ring. Sometimes well, I just want to fuck around with giant robots for a weekend. I, they did put One Piece Pirate Warriors four on Game Pass. Oh, uh, I should play that. And... I, <laughs> we we won't make this a a, a a Cosmere podcast again. But oh, reading Stormlight be... Archives it makes me really want to play like a Dynasty Warriors kind of game with magic hmm. stuff in it. Oh, I was I was just gonna say that'd be great for playing. Uh, one piece is just like or Pirate Warriors 4 and listen to an audiobook or something. I know. Uh, yeah. Audiobooks uh, are the new podcast. You heard it here. Of course, I said like I breathed the words, I might want to play some Dynasty Warriors soon in one of my game chats and everyone was like, trash, idiot, don't do that. <laughs> You're stupid. Waste of time. Fuck those games. And I was just like, okay, I'm, stop forget i said anything <laughs> delete delete message <laughs> well i i would support you if you chose to play one piece pirate warriors 4 on game pass but the problem is then i feel like i should read all of the because i don't you, sh- you should piece, read i've all... read like the i've read like the first 50 volumes or something mm-hmm. um F- 50 chapters not 50, 50 yeah 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 sorry yeah uh and i do want to read more of it because i really like one piece what i've read of it it's very good Mm-hmm. But you, I got I got other stuff I'm reading. So think you were going to ask a question. <laughs> oh well, what I was going to ask is, do you know if if Pirate Warriors Four is like? Because Dragon Ball games, every single time, doesn't have oh. numbers on it. Dragon Ball games are always like about they start at the beginning and then they go. Oh uh, yeah, no, Pirate Warriors Four does start like pretty late. Uh, one, See, uh, it's it was no no wait so okay it starts. In the Grand Line, uh, okay. Like, so it starts with like oh on the uh, <laughs> Alabasta. It starts at Alabasta. You know what's really funny? This is a moot point anyway. Yeah, because I own this game on Steam. Oh well, okay, yeah. Well, we both bought it like point, last yes, year, like yes. or two years ago, or a year and a half ago, or something. Yes, and then I was gonna read all of the One Piece. I was uh-huh. gonna read through One Piece, and then I was gonna. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. play this game. <laughs> I didn't know you had bought it. Like I knew you. Like I, I knew this was a yes. plan. But okay, you I bought it. So that I did. I mean, you can play so it on anyway. Xbox now. You don't have to play it. Like I think it'll be a better experience on console than it would be on Probably. PC. But I mean, when I bought it, I bought it for like fifteen dollars. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it, wasn't, it wasn't like I spent a shitload of money. But yeah. Oh man, I missed this One Piece World Seeker game. They did just announce like a new RPG. Uh, coming this, this year, next this year. It's pretty good. This World Seeker game. It's like a open world hmm. RPG. It looks like. Uh, there was 
Oh yeah, so but the beginning of Pirate Wars four is just a spoiler for like I th- the manga is past it now, but I like think kind you of told where yeah, it starts off like in a major conflict in the most recent arc. So So what you're saying is that I should buy and play One Piece Pirate Warriors three first. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, I don't know how, I don't know getting, the getting, experience of playing Pirate Warriors that's 3, but uh, I shouldn't be telling you to read One Piece before you finish the Cosmere. No, and I won't. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we can talk about this off the cast. We don't need to, uh, no, but I know, I know, the I listeners, please go read um, Stormlight Archive, Mistborn, uh, please. And uh, One Piece. And yes, and One Piece got some great social commentary in these stories uh that we you know we are big fans of here at the game and fix podcast uh episode 216 doing a capitalism on uh (laughs) april 2nd 2022 that's all for this episode you can find us on twitter twitter twitter.com slash or at fix podcasts uh you can send us an email to gaming at fix out space and tell us your favorite One Piece character. We'll do a poll. I'm a Sanji fan, personally. Um, I mean, who's who isn't? No, Zolo. Is really... uh, Zoro, too. Like, that's Sanji Zoro. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, probably I guess more Zoro, but yeah. I think I like Sanji more than Zoro. That's totally they're both, fair. They're both good. They're both good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Pat, where can people find you? You can find me on twitter for now although i considered deleting my twitter multiple times this week (laughs) in because of having to watch fucking slap discourse Uh, (laughs) you can find me for now at pjc plays we'll see if that twitter account exists in a month no no there i cannot even i had a, a cursed thought like who is going to be the first presidential candidate to offer an nft for donations Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a fucking. Oh, my God. Anyway. It'll be Kamala Harris. <laughs> you can find me, Andre Cole, aka The Wet Gamer, aka your partner's favorite kind of tree, on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C O O L S L 4 W. Thank you to Jeff Davis at Stranger Peace for our wonderful theme music. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Gaming Fix Podcast. Stay wet, gamers.